You're listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, what an exciting day. I have a returning guest of TechNest. He's the CEO of a company called Scout, TrustScout.com. They work with real estate agents, helping them personalize their outreach, converting more leads. And, you know, generally, uh, you know, I try not to have too many return guests. It's not that I don't like people coming back. I just like to mix up the variety here. But Drew and his company, Scout, have really been leaning into leveraging AI. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the opportunities, the potentials, and really what's happening with artificial intelligence and how those in real estate, that's if you're owner, operator, manager, maybe you're a broker, agent, how should you be thinking about artificial intelligence, different AI tools, capabilities, plugins? Um, we're going to get into that. I'm sure there's someone out there who's going to say, Nate, this wasn't technical enough. And then others are going to say, Nate, maybe this was too technical. Tried to strike a good balance here. I thought Drew did a good job of breaking some things, things down for us and helping us dig into and have a good conversation around the topic. So let's jump in, hear what he has to say. Hey, Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, Nate, happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here, and we're going to start off with, we're just going to jump right into it here. Um, I have talked about this in the past, and now what I'm going to do real time while we're on on the call here is I'm going to quote and retweet myself. Um, th- there is a there is a house that is a visual. Okay, it, and everyone knows this house. Okay, it's stock imagery, yellow lights coming through, and it's like a rather bluish type house, and it's got a bluish sky around it. And there are several variations of this house, but this house, this particular house, this one house I have seen on so many websites... And uh, before the show started and, you know, Drew kind of, I, I said, I have to give you crap on something here. Gave me permission to bring it up. So I'm bringing it up. We've got to stop using this house. Right. Got to stop I, using this house. All real estate. I, I was going to say, I think I know where you're going with this one. And, uh, and and this house, it's like the bane of your existence, right? It's It's like that stock image that everybody hates. It's like that template email that everybody gets, right? That, that blast marketing it sucks. It, yeah, well, yeah, well, like the uh, hey, I don't know if you're stuck in a well or you've been eaten by a a dinosaur, but uh, just hope you can get back to me. Yeah, like garbage like that is is worse than this. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna. There it is. Friendly reminder. Please stop it. I'm just letting people know to not use that image no more. It's done. It's uh, it's been finished. That image is is gone. Uh, we're gonna have fun with this one here. Um, I'm gonna set up this interview real quick. Drew okay. uh, has been a long term, long, uh, long term, long time supporter of the show, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's a few people that I feel like have genuinely been encouraging, uh, reach out, supportive, and you've you've done that with the podcast. So first off, on the record, you know, thank you for supporting the show, but you've also you were a previous guest, episode fifty eight. Long you're an OG. Now you're a, a TechNest alum OG. How does yeah, it feel? We're, we're big supporters. We love TechNest over here. I love it. it. It honestly, it makes my day. I never thought uh, when I started the show, I never genuinely believed and thought like, oh, I wonder what this will turn into. It was like, I had to do something. That was basically it. Like I was just taking action of like, we'll see where this goes. No idea. The community uh, that it would create. So like, People like yourself, like I feel honored and privileged to both know, but also like to earn your support and have you back on the show. So excited to have you back on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about trust. Or excuse me, we're going to talk about Scout. I was going to call you Trust Scout because it's a domain. Uh, we're going to talk about Scout, what you guys have been up to, what's new, 
what's yeah. changed, but also um, some tertiary topics. We got to get into a few other things that are related to what you guys are doing and maybe outside of what you're doing. Um, but uh, let, maybe we'll start off with this. Fill us in on over the last, it's, it's been almost what, three, three years. I, th- I think three years. So episode 58, that's when you started growing that beard, right? <laughs> there's been several iterations my beard is like is just like a startup you know yeah, sometimes yeah. It, it goes through a pivot uh yeah it's been about three years so like fill us in on like what where scout was at then and where you guys are at now yeah so so just like the beard you know we've grown we've pivoted um we were uh i think back back in the day we were doing algorithmic lead generation for the residential real estate space it's kind of like home light right we'd go out and get leads and give them to real estate agents and and we give them to the best performing ones and uh over over the last couple of years you know we we saw the writing on the wall we saw customer engagement really being kind of like the biggest opportunity there and mm-hmm. um and it wasn't so much generating the leads, but but helping the service providers to actually service the lead, to to kind of arm them with the tools and the utility to uh, to better engage their customers, right? Just focus on what they needed to do on a day-to-day basis, which is certainly not lead generation. Like if you're really good at what you do in life, um, mm-hmm. you're probably not, you know, you, you probably don't want to focus on lead generation unless that's what you do for a living. So we kind of built this platform that... Uh, that that helps in that space. It helps with a lot of um, data management, prospecting, targeting, uh, customer engagement. So I guess the you know, the the, the one liner for Scout is we we supercharge marketing and sales uh, and customer engagement through AI. Boom. Easy. Yeah. Easy. What does that mean? Um, so there's like there's three pillars of our platform. There's data. There's content and there is uh, there's workflow execution. So it's like, who do I target? What do I say to them? And then how do I actually get this message out? Um, and we handle all three of those things. We kind of uh, we've automated it. We, we've kind of made it push button. So if you are in the call it residential real estate space, you uh, you own a local retail store. Super mm-hmm. easy to come on a platform, click a couple of buttons. And, you know, we've pinpointed who your likely customer is, and we can have a multi-touch, you know, super personalized engagement campaign running to them in about, you know, a minute and a half. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. pretty somebody, easy. Somebody called it, um, they were like your MailChimp on steroids, your Mail Gorilla. That that could be one way of looking at it. I mean, I, when you say Gorilla, I think of Gorilla Glue. Like, it's it's sticky. So maybe that's yeah, yeah. the other play there. I like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we create a lot of stickiness. We, we create a lot of uh, customer engagement. Um, just, just very personalized uh, messaging. Kind of like the Okay. Way. So l- let's go ahead and address the gorilla in the room. Ooh. You're saying AI. It's the hot topic right now. And admittedly, I've been riding that train. We, I've just been asking everybody. People come on the show and they're like, we do paper forms for our product. And I'm like, tell me how you're using AI. Because, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, yeah, it, it's good for uh, fodder and conversation, right? But honestly, it's, I think it's super relevant to every business. I, I've really turned the corner of, oh, you use AI, you're special. This is unique. And maybe maybe it's not quite ubiquitous to all businesses yet, but it almost feels like, hey, there's um there's a lot to be considering and thinking and imagining here. So you guys have been using AI for some time. What yeah, what is it yeah. that you're doing that is AI? How are you using AI? And then how are you uh, differentiating from anyone else who simply can, you know, to, I wouldn't say simply, but to some degree, simply plug and play AI these days? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, let's, let's really think about the ubiquity of AI and and how it's going to be everywhere. It's it's kind of going to be like, do you have a website, right? Um, yeah. So where where can you find me online? Do, do you have a website strategy, right? Do you have a mobile strategy? Um, that's going to be what AI is in like a year. And the truth is, uh, with a lot of these new platforms, um, and especially ChatGPT and OpenAI, they've just made it so incredibly simple. I mean, people mm-hmm. who have no business um, you know, touching engineering code 
are now creating apps in like 20 minutes. And, um, and I think at, at some point, every single company will have to use AI in some form or another. I, uh, I actually came across a great, just a super intelligent use today. It was just a, a free chat bot with a couple of prompts on somebody's landing page. And mm-hmm. they were, um, they were offering like PR pitches, like create a free PR pitch. Right? And the end at the bottom, it was just, you know, put in your email. It was a, le- it was a lead form. Right. That's all it was. Mm. Um, but they were using chat GPT as the lead magnet. And I just thought it was super smart. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of things like that, you know, um, specific prompt use cases for like, get this here free, just put in your email address and, and you don't mm-hmm. realize it's a lead form at the same time. Um, now back to how, like we've been using it, we've been using it for, you know, uh, over, over a year plus before everybody was like, you know, what is this open AI stuff? Before it was cool. Before it was cool. Yeah. Back, back before it was 3.5. Um, it was like GPT two. Uh, we, so, so a couple of things that we do, um, and it's mostly in the marketing space, like wrapping context and, um, and, and engagement and, and words around data. So mm-hmm. we have like massive data sets, like 300 million people in these data sets. And we create ideal customer profiles around them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's our job to make that data actionable, make it usable. Like, you know, I've got all this data. Now what do I do with it? Um, so create marketing campaigns. And the first step for us was to really just create marketing around data. So, um, you know, we were the prompt engineers behind the scenes who were thinking about prompt construction. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it really is engineering at the end of the day. So, so figuring out, you know, what, what does a prompt look like to give you uh, the message that you expect to get back? So it's not talking absolute gibberish, right? Um, and then the next thing that we're doing is uh, it's called entity recognition. So when you um, entity recognition, entity recognition. Okay. So when when somebody writes an email back to you, let's say you've you've now you know done you've done your part and you've communicated something good to somebody else, and they write back to you. Or is this PG thirteen podcast? Uh, I I mean I assume you're over eighteen. I'm over eighteen. You can say whatever you want. I suppose. <laughs> okay. So, right. So like you send, you send something out to me and I say, Hey, Nate, fuck off. You know, we have to recognize that we have to understand mm. that, you know, based off of what you said to us, we can then put you down the correct path. The, the next and somewhere there's a study that has shown that one in five leads that a real estate agent gets that they respond to actually is met with a response such as that. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's very frequent. It's very frequent. It's oh man, this is so funny. And and we get it we get a lot of, you know, people give us a hard time because they they always ask the question, you know, um how do people react when when you come through their email box or you come through their text messages? We mm-hmm. had an agent the other day um take a picture of a postcard that they sent, right? Postcard. And somebody just wrote back, like crossed their name out, like F you, never talk to me again, and sent the postcard back to the agent. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's impressive. But uh, but you know, entity recognition, it's basically like sentiment analysis. Is this good? Is this bad? Is this neutral? Mm-hmm. And then you start to kind of drill down even more, you know, past that. Like what what exactly does this person want? What's the next step? What's the next action? So that we can trigger some kind of automation or workflow. Very cool. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm trying to understand a little bit more about like, okay, what are all the use cases? Um, you know what? I don't know if this will air before or after, probably after uh, an interview with Austin Lowe, runs a company called Peak, and we, we talked about AI. And so they do you know, virtual tours as one of their service offerings. And you know, he, he, he mentioned like the data they're collecting from virtual tours, that's an input. And what yeah. you can do with that is an input. How are you thinking about inputs is it is it just literally because i i think i see a lot of the conversations around like literally typing into a chat interface mm-hmm. but that's that's one way what are all the other things that uh, you know other either startups or engineers should be thinking about as opportunities for generating more relevant and be- i would just say better inputs that will ultimately yield a better 
result or outcome or experience for the customer? That's a great question. Um, especially with the new release of GPT-4, right? We've got eyes and ears now. So mm-hmm. you can you can start to actually put in um, sounds. You can start to put in images and the image will be recognized. Um, and you can kind of go the other way on it. You can, you can either take words and turn them into images, right? Stable diffusion, or you can take images and turn them into words. Um, and in terms of the things that, you know, build a great prompt, it's, it's so use case specific. So you can have emotion, you can have sentiment, you can turn it into a short story. Um, if you want, you know, names, then you need people data. If you want, um, uh, you know, home addresses, you need parcel data. So, you know, our strategy, it's, it's kind of like a five tier strategy. We have, um, we have lat long, so we have a, we do a lot with geo targeting. Um, we have people data, we have demographic data, we we even have you know trigger level data. So like, did it rain? You know. So mm. um, let's say you're you're like a plumber, right? And uh, and you know that every time it rains, you know, for this amount of precipitation at this temperature, there's gonna be a flash flood. Pipes are going to break, and then you've got to get somebody to somebody within like one week or, or even sooner than that. And then there's like, you know, maybe there's some mold remediation like a, a week and a half later. You've got to time that perfectly. So, you know, AI, yeah. um, it, it's kind of crazy. You can you can give it like a set of rules and you can say, you know, pick out all of the, the you know, the parcels within a subset that may have this issue. And it'll actually drill down based on like the set of rules that you give it. I think, uh, did you see the, uh, the GPT four announcement? Yeah. Kind of crazy where they gave it the, the IRC code and it ripped through it. Oh, I don't know if I saw the, like the formal announcement. Of course I saw that it was announced, but no, I did not see the formal announcement. So in the formal announcement, they fed it, um, part of the IRC, the internal revenue code. And they asked it questions about tax and tax returns and just mm-hmm. by reading, you know, that code, it was able to spit out a personalized recommendation for like how you should file your tax return. It's very cool, but but these are things that a lot of people are trying to, you know, train specific models around. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I guess one of the things that I'm trying to determine, and I think a lot of other people maybe as well, it's very easy to hear. AI this, AI that, machine learning and large language models. And <laughs> what is, what are the, what are some of the red flags of it's just marketing hype? It's just noise. Cause I, I'm a, I'm a skeptic right out the gate, which makes it hard to be an early adopter. Cause I don't really, I don't tend to get hyped up on things too easily. I just think I'm, I'm just convinced behind the website, behind the app, there's some marketer hype guy similar to myself in a past life who just wants to hype everything, right? And everything's exciting. Everything is the greatest thing that's ever happened, right? And so I'm just so skeptical of it all. So I'm trying to understand and learn, hey, what are some of the red flags that like, this isn't AI, it's just a engineered Mad Lib or it's just predictive text to some degree that eh, maybe, I don't know if that's considered AI or not, but what should I be looking for so I don't, I don't buy into something that's, probably garbage or just a a smarter interface (laughs) so let me start off with it's not it's not hype it's this is the real deal um and i think that when you when you really start to learn about about its limitations then you start to understand what it is and when you've played with it long enough it's like um and I'm, i'm totally forgetting the name given to this principle, but it's like you, you understand, you think you understand everything and then you start playing with it for a little bit and you realize, you know, absolutely nothing and the tool sucks. And then, you know, once you realize the limitations of it, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing again. Um, but it's kind of like that inverse bell curve. And in the beginning, you're like, wow, this is so cool, right? This is like drafting everything for me. And then you start to, uh, you start to pull back the curtain. And you realize, man, this is making up a ton of shit. Like none of this makes sense. It's absolute gibberish. 
They're quoting things that don't exist. They're like they're giving me hyperlinks that have never been. Like this, this is a total piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of like the vi- I saw a video uh, just came uh, like I don't know if it was going viral or how I saw it or where I saw it. I don't really know, but it was a video of Will Smith eating spaghetti. Yeah, like multiple videos of Will Smith eating spaghetti, and it was atrocious. It was actually one of the most disturbing motion graphics I think I've ever seen in my entire life because of just yeah. how it was so bad. It was just yeah. so bad. Have you seen uh, – there's a couple of companies that are doing it. Synthesia is one of them. So it's it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. You know the Dunning-Kruger effect? I, I thought that was – I thought that was the thing where like you don't realize how dumb you are. Yeah, basically, and, and that's like how how it is with um, with AI. Like you, like you, you don't realize you're so dumb, dumb, you don't now. recognize that you're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you finally <laughs> get to a part in like this this kind of like. I have a book with that definition earmarked. It's called "The Death of Expertise," and okay. it's literally the like. There's five pages of the entire book that are worth reading, and that's basically around that. It, well, one of the beautiful applications of OpenAI or ChatGPT is you can probably just go into OpenAI right now and say, hey, give me a, uh, a summation of this book. All right, give me the upshots of the book. And that is actually an incredible um, application of it, right? Being able to distill information like really, really simply and kind of get these upshots. So one thing that we're doing um, – you know, you've got all these frameworks either in business or in sales or like all these books that we've read where, you know, it's hundreds of pages, 200 pages, 300 pages, like, you know, um, uh, Purple Cow, right? Or you've got mm-hmm. um, Seth Godin's Seth Godin. books or, or you've got like Aaron Ross Predictable Revenue or you've got like mm-hmm. – you know, I mean there's so many of them, right? Um, and what we can actually do is te- like train that AI model to act as Seth Godin, David Ogilvy, right? And say, you know, in the style of give me a framework or give me a sales strategy that would like, you know, tick all of the boxes here. So if, I, if I'm just using the chat GPT interface and I'm yeah. giving it similar prompts over and over, is that what you mean by train or no, is there... No. Is that a whole separate thing? Because I see that terminology being thrown around a lot. Like, oh, I'm going to train the model with my inputs. And I'm kind of thinking about this. I'm like, if there's literally millions of people using the same interface, the training there is pretty unfocused and potentially hazardous. So yeah. what is what does it mean really to be training an AI model? So training an AI model has to do with a reward system and there is no real reward system, you know, built into this, you know, quote unquote training in chat GPT. So you mm-hmm. go into chat GPT and you, you know, you type in whatever you want and you're like, you know, bad chat GPT, try again. Right? It can actually recognize that. And, <laughs> and, and we're laughing, but like that is actually training the system um, because it, because it works on a reward model. If you say like bad GPT, right we're like bad open ai um it wants to do better it wants to be more predictable for you i did not know that and i'm going to be working with that now okay yeah so there there is this reward system there's uh there's actually an amazing um youtube on it where a guy kind of drills down like the whole entire training model of open ai or or any kind of llm for that matter um but in the very beginning like people had to train the model and it, and it really sure. has to do with predictability and like what we expect to hear, right? So there were these like major warehouses where people were just sitting there like playing with the model and, and it would spit it out. And then there was like a ranking system and you'd be like, yeah, this sounds like, you know, this sounds pretty accurate or this doesn't sound accurate. This sounds accurate for context. This sounds accurate for, you know, information. This sounds accurate for whatever. And they started training these models. There's like zero shot, no shot, few shot. And um, and when when all these people are like are playing with OpenAI, they're really not training the model, right? Right. They're, tra- they're training um, kind of like their own history within it. But you can actually build models around it that are totally different. That does not exist in like this, you know, general user interface. Right. So, so it's not necessarily like I'm getting my own little 
bot that I work with in my chat window. I mean, maybe to, or is that what it is? Like to some degree, I'm getting my own version. There's some like caching of memory or something along those lines, but it's, yeah, I'm not a, necessarily a training a model. Extent. No, but like to a very little, you know, a, a small extent, you're, you're giving it information. So it'll remember, like if you ask it, who is Nate? Right. Who is, what is yep. the Technest podcast? And it has, no it has an answer. It has an answer. Yeah. So it, it should, it should, boom. because, you know, pre 2021, and that's when all this stuff was trained from, right? Um, 2021 tech nest existed. That's correct. And it, it recognized who a top 10 prop, prop, prop tech podcast was now the, the challenges. There's not that many of us, so it's pretty easy to make top yeah, 10. Yes. You're number one in our hearts. You know, I, 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 it's one of the reasons I graduated top 10 in my, my high school class. <laughs> I mean, there was only 11 of us. <laughs> I wish I was matters. lying. Context matters. <laughs> I wish I was lying. By the way, um, I will, I'll also share this out, uh, on, on Twitter. I realize that people can't see my screen here, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk you through it here. I went to mid journey. Yeah, to, the journey is so much fun. To see if we could get you a better image for your website. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so um, you know, I went into, uh, for those who haven't played around with this, um, mid-journey, it, I, I'm not going to lie, it was a little intimidating to me because I don't do Discord. I don't understand Discord. I don't Twitch. I don't do any of that stuff. And, and so you have to create a Discord account and then you have to join this Discord. And I gave it this prompt. And I, and I just said the front of a single house with single family house with a two car and single car attached garage and the interior lights turned on. That's probably a terrible prompt. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's not terrible. I think the lighting, it could be a little bit brighter. It's a little too dark. So I should you know, have this, maybe specified daytime. People, but Yeah, people can't see this, but I, but I, I want to kind of like describe this. This is like dark and brooding, right? But like also – This is – yeah, this is scary. Forward. Yeah, um, it can, it kind of looks like it could be an advertisement for like Tesla solar panels. Yeah, yeah, and and I've noticed there's also um, a frequent challenge anytime there's letters or numbers involved, and so it's trying to emulate letters on the house, but it shows up as like unrecognizable characters. Yeah, so I've recognized that stable diffusion is terrible at letters, numbers. And and digits like fingers, <laughs> fingers, hands, and toes. Yeah, it's so bad at. I, I I always see people with like three legs. Yeah, there's there's a few of that, and I've seen some of them. You can see here though. I've got uh, you know I've generated a few. I've actually done some runners uh, in here. Uh, we did an exercise with my team the other day where I had them give me a Mad Lib, and then we used that as our prompt for just. As a, as a as a training of like, hey, let's all learn this together. And of course, I have some other. Um, I did one where you know we're we're looking. I was looking at creating some visuals of a house that needs flood insurance. You know, spoiler alert: I work at an insure tech company called Obi, and so uh, this was a rental property needing flood insurance. And it, I mean, it's it's pretty ominous again. It's like really bad of like, not something I want to show to the consumer. Yeah. This looks like pretty catastrophic, uh, like weird dream ish world type stuff. Um, maybe it is, maybe it's all, Hey, this is proof of the simulation. So Drew, where do we go from here? What are, you know, as, as a founder who has a company that's leveraging AI, you've been in the game for a minute, you know, you're already using it to, in real estate. So you're helping like augment a lot of conversations that are happening between agents and their, their buyers. But of course there's lots of other applications here, but what other founders need to know if they see, Hey, look, I think there's potential for AI in our business. How do we go about making that happen? So it's, it's interesting. Like we talked about the ubiquity of AI and we talked about how prominent it's going to get in every single facet of what you are doing. You right. Know, at very, at very minimum, you should be using this as a marketing tool, right? At, at maximum, <laughs> um, that that's the part that scares me a little bit. Um, and I think as a founder, if you're, if you're trying to use AI for AI's sake, um, 
people are going to see right through it, right? You have to have some sort of utility as a company. You need to bring something to the table that is not just like, hey, I'm creating a cool set of prompts. Um, Right, right. Right. You, like writing you another, have... like auto writing email is not bad. It's cool, but like, what more can we do here than yeah, just than just the initial auto writing of an email? Yeah, Google Google's been doing this for years. Whether you know you've recognized it or not, they have their autocomplete. Um, so you know, if you're the founder of a company and you're in AI, don't don't try to you know rest on AI for AI's sake because. And then especially as, you know, a VC funded company, um, because a, mm-hmm. a, a smart VC will look at you and, you know, poke the holes through and say, what's your, what's your true utility? Um, and uh, man, I, I really don't even know. Uh, I, I've been trying to like understand what is the writing on the wall in the AI space for, for a bit now. And I think you have to create an incredibly defensible moat and, mm. um, and be very crafty about how you're going to do that, especially with you know new plugins and the ability to access the internet. Um, and this is just in the last couple of months, right? Or actually in the last couple of weeks alone. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that it seems like the progression here, it, it continues to um, accelerate uh, as far as, and, and what, well, I think what some of us have been promised that is that, it, it's only going to get faster. It's only going to get better. I mean, that's, that's one of the, 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 my perspectives I'm taking on this is like the, you know, the image generation or even your like auto chat fill in and article writing. Like this is as bad as it's going to get. <laughs> this is certainly the first inning. <laughs> like, if this is your alpha, pretty cool alpha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Um, Google is just getting there, you know, just getting barred out there and it's pretty terrible. It's really not, you know, very good, but it's going to get really good really quickly. Um, yeah. And and these you have to remember these models have only been trained once or twice. Um, they haven't been trained many many times over, and you haven't mm. brought unique data sets to them, and you haven't made them purpose built. And a lot of these companies that will, you know, as as these founders create, you know, new platforms, um, they're going to have data layers and application layers on that sit on top of them, and they're going to be really, really specific. Yep. Let me ask you this: real estate, especially in residential real estate, um, over the last few years, there's been a few changes on how you can market and advertise. And a lot of this stems from a pretty gross history. And I say gross, not as in like total, I mean, disgusting history of, 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 of bias and prejudice that, you know, to some degree, I mean, I think NAR is, is uh, finally admitted wrongs, but even in like the early uh, parts of last century, we're still, upholding racist policies in how they were selling yeah. real estate, talking about neighborhoods and the way that they would use descriptions. And, you know, people think it's really far in the past. 2017, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I went to look at a rental property and it turns out, you know, the place I first off was pretty dirty. So, you know, I told the, the, the real estate agent, I said, you know, I don't, I don't think this is good for me. Like, I'm not going to be able to convince my wife to move into this place. But thanks for the tour. And she says, yeah, I was kind of surprised that you'd be looking in this neighborhood. I said, but what do you, what do you mean? Like, you don't have a lot of like married couples without kids. She goes, you know, if you look around, you, you'd understand. It's not really the type of neighborhood for you guys. And I knew what she was inferring. It had a large, Spanish population in the neighborhood. Yeah. So what? Like I was excited. The fact that we had a bodega in, in Tennessee that I was going to be right down the street from. <laughs> and like you don't get that very often. And so, you know, I experienced that. I was like, if she felt that comfortable, say that, like what other actions? So of course, in my mind, it brings up bias and how we're going to think about bias in any AI model what do you know about that has been done there and how much caution, especially if you're in the residential real estate space, should there be taken when considering bias and how that may be introduced to a model uh, of, of AI, whether it's text or images or however it's being leveraged? 
Yeah, really interesting. Really interesting to bring up. I mean, you had uh, basically redlining policies that were built into banking guidelines, you know, as, mm-hmm. as early back as, like you say, 2017. Um, oh, well, I mean, well, Bank of America, like when was the last time they spent, they had to pay out hundreds of millions of bucks? It was within the last decade for for, oh, for still redlining. I, I think redlining policies were built in until at least like 2020, 2021, like mm-hmm. remnants of them. So yeah, this stuff is, it's fresh and there's a lot of bias and you have to think about like the humans that are training these models. Um, you know, those, those humans are biased. And then even mm-hmm. us as individuals, every single one of us is biased consciously or not. We have our biases. Sure. It's just a, you know, it's just nature and well, it's a, it's more nurture than it is nature. Um, but um, you know, uh, well, let's, let's talk about like residential real estate for a second. Uh, exactly. Yep. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, the FHA guidelines and you can't say things like, you know, master bedroom. You can't say things like, you know, family or like young couple or, you know, walking distance. Like these are, these are very, very, very big no-nos in a listing description. Um, so let's say you're a residential real estate agent and you're building a listing description and open AI has no idea, right? It's like, you don't know what you don't know. You have to be mm-hmm. very, very careful. Um, because every single, you know, one of these, these models was trained, you know, years ago without the, uh, the guardrails that you need to function on a day-to-day basis. But you as a service professional or you as a, uh, as a salesperson, you as a human, you have to recognize, you know, how, how all of this has been built. And it's really just, you know, you call them neural networks, right? What are they? Just data points. There's things that live on the internet. Yeah. It's pulling from like Wikipedia. Is Wikipedia biased? Yeah. Ask the person who wrote the article. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot to be scared about. Well, I mean, we can't just sit in our in our rooms curled up and terrified. We have to we still have to press on and and create and build and I think that ultimately there's an opportunity here to truly generally deliver a better experience to the customer. I think, you know, one of the, one of the things I'm excited to see is not necessarily augmenting real estate agents. Uh and I you know, I've gone through a little bit of an evolution of where I see the role of real estate agents in the market. I've both gone from the very well, from having been one uh, to, okay, yeah, there's going to be like a dramatic cut of a lot of them because we're not going to need them because we're going to be so efficient to, you know, what? actually, I think that I think the general public really wants someone to hold their hand. I think a large <laughs> part of the population really wants to go for that walk and they want it. They want someone along the way, even if it's less in person, but they want someone there to lean on. I mean, Very we have automated timely. tax software to how much of a degree, like to the point of like TurboTax will sign the document for you saying it was prepared by a tax professional. Yeah. Yeah. And I still hire a CPA, <laughs> which costs as, a lot more. As do I. Yeah. And and it's really timely that you should bring that up because um, uh, the, the court certified a class action today, moral. I'm not, I'm not sure if you have been following or heard of this case, but there's a class action against the NAR where um, they're, they're basically saying like antitrust violation buyer, um, buyer agent commissions are like a no, no. Oh, okay. And yeah. Yeah. So this could like severely impact residential. Real Wait, that was today. That was, what was, what exactly they, was released? They certified the class action today. So oh, okay. Said, so now it's now that there's a definitive clash action lawsuit against the NAR. Yeah, and I think this has been in the works since like 2019. Yeah, I mean, always so hear like, whisperings of like investigation and looking into, but yeah. So this is three years in the making, but now um, you know, I, I think it'll it'll start moving very quickly. And, uh, and people who have been paying you know buyers fees indirectly, it's and it's the seller that's paying the buyer fee. Um, Right, you know, they're they're saying that this is an antitrust violation. 
Um, but the, you know, the case against it is that we need to create some sort of, you know, fair baseline, some kind of parity for a person who may not be, you know, so advantaged as to have the extra cash to pay for, you know, out of pocket buyer agent representation. So like, just because I can't afford to, you know, pay somebody to hold my hand through the transaction doesn't mean I should be at a disadvantage versus somebody who does. So, you know. So it's a, it's a little tangentially touching on that you know we we want somebody to to you know see these things through for us we need that like that warm hug right i don't know if i ever hugged a real estate agent uh that i was working with <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a handshake i'm not a hugger even when i was a real estate agent i'm trying to think if i ever hugged any of my clients and i'm pretty sure no could have maybe the first client i really needed that paycheck but um yeah, no, not not on uh, the maybe, not on the hugging maybe front. A, maybe a firm pat on the back. Here's the deal. I, you know, it, for for those who've ever met me in person, like I'm I'm very good with handshakes. Every once in a while, a hug is fine, but um, generally, I'm not a hugger. It's not. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in for it next time I see you. I'm gonna see what happens. <laughs> see if you dart the other. I'll, side. <laughs> no, I, I probably I probably won't dart it. I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes a little bit of an awkward hugger. Maybe that's why. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm afraid of people to see that I feel so that's that's what it is. Um, <laughs> well, I want to want to want to touch on a few things you have of Scout here before we we move on. So I mean, you guys obviously like you've been weathering some some choppy waters, uh, and 2023 is shaping up to be no less difficult than than last year. What's been you know from the agents that you guys are partnering with and working with? What are, what are you hearing from them? And obviously, like, their business doing well depends if they buy other goods and services such as yeah. Scout. So, you know, what are you hearing from them? And how should uh, both tech companies selling to agents, but also how should agents be, like, thinking about proceeding in this year to continue thriving and not just, you know, skirt by? Yeah, it, it really defend, depends where you fall on that value stack. Right. Um, and we have, you know, knock on wood, thank God, have been on absolute tear. We've been doubling month over month, you know, all this entire quarter. Wow. We've, we've kind of had 2x growth. And when you're in the revenue acceleration game and there's not enough, uh, not a lot of revenue to go around, um, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of grasping at straws, right? They'll do anything they can to improve their business. And, you know, we we spent a lot of time building a tool that can have a massive impact. Um, I was on the phone with uh, with one of our customers, uh, I think it was yesterday, and um, this is number one team at Compass, by the way. We've been working with them for a couple of months now, and um, and she let me know, hey, we just you know we just sold a or landed a four million dollar listing from Scout, like you know from the first month. Hey yo, let's go. Hey, yo, let's go. I was like, it's like, uh, I don't know, 140 X ROI. <laughs> so, um, when people see results, there is always a budget for it. Things get expensive when mm-hmm. they can't justify it when, you know, it's just something that saved them a little bit of time and everybody starts to cut back on those expenses. So if yep. you are, you know, firmly entrenched and you're solving a real problem that people don't want to deal with, there is always a budget for that. Um, if you are providing real ROI, there is always a budget for that. If mm. you have like a, a very, you know, cool, nice to have, um, you're the first thing getting cut. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not, you're not wrong. If it ain't delivering value, if it's not adding up, I mean, runway right now, especially for startups that have burn, I mean, you can't bank on raising another round in the next year. Yeah, capital markets are uh, are in a, a rough place right now. Um, right. I mean, you're seeing it in the public markets, you're seeing it in the venture sector, you're seeing it in growth. Um, if you're if you're first raising around like as a seed stage company or even a pre seed stage company, you're pretty insulated from it. But you mm-hmm. know, the further up the chain you go to your B to your C to your D, you know, just prepare for a markdown. Yeah, and going public is not necessarily uh, an easy route either. So. Gonna be been gonna be a challenging next few years in the the startup and scale ups. Um, I mean, I think that a lot of prop tech companies now that I'm familiar with are really truly scale up mode. Um, 
I don't, let me ask you this. I mean, cause I know you're on the, the investment side too. Do people commonly use scale up? Am I weird for saying that? Cause I think that should be used more often, but I, <laughs> well, I've just started using it. I'm going to keep using it. Just the term scale up. Well, cause like, I mean, like we're at OB, right? We're like yeah. 90 employees. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, 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 we to date, uh, you know, I think the total amount raised is like 13 million. Like I have SOPs for my entire department on, on, on everything. Look, if it, and I, I take this from Peter Lohman on Twitter and I think he's maybe, maybe he took it from someone else. I don't know. I think that's where I got it. But like if it has three steps and it takes more than three minutes and you do it more than three times a month, it needs a process, like oh, a documented sure. process. So I have it for everything. I'm like, is that a startup? That doesn't sound like startup to me. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible. We have product market fit. Well, it's an incredibly well um, documented startup. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, scale up. Scale up needs to be used more. I'm, I'm going to bring that, make that word more of a, a thing anyway. A little bit of, uh, I digress here. Well, okay, we're going to, we're going to move on here, Drew. Um, this is, uh, has been a really great conversation. I'm glad we took this a di- little bit of a different angle than usual. I'm going to bring it back to a segment that you're familiar with. This is called For the Future. For the future okay. is when I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Are you ready to play? I'm so scared. Let's go. All right. Here we go. Question number one, what does Scout look like one year from now? One year from now, um, we are powering customer engagement for uh, multiple different industries um, through email, through text, through Facebook, through LinkedIn through Discord, really anything. All right. Number two, how long until more than 50% of real estate agents are using AI daily? Six months. All right. Follow up. Whether they know it or not, I would say that was my follow up. (laughs) Whether they know it or not. So we have, um, we have a group of like, I don't know, 260,000 residential real estate agents that we pull pretty often, you know, sometimes daily. And, uh, when we started our, um, our wait list, we got like, I don't know, 4,000 real estate agents on it in the first couple of months. And one of the questions that we ask in that wait list is, um, is, are you currently using AI? And, you know, I think roughly 17% of the respondents were, were using AI. Um, and maybe this is a self-selecting crew because they're already, you know, in our community. Um, sure. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, this is 17% of a cohort that's, you know, it's like a 47 year old, um, with, with some college degree. And, uh, I think, you know, if, Let's let's say what percentage of residential real estate agents do you think are using Canva? Small. It's got to be a lot. N- no, small? I think it's small. I think it's small. I, f- I feel like it's in their toolbox. It's anyway, got to be. I'm going to say less than thirty percent. Okay. So, so they're using. Let's say they're using Canva. They're using like. Um, you know, LinkedIn, they're using, and not so much LinkedIn, but like Facebook, Facebook Messenger. If they've got like a chat bot on their, uh, on their, their homepage, they're probably using AI. If they're using Canva, they're probably using AI. If they are using Scout, they're obviously using AI. We had a, we had a customer and, um, I think this was probably like, you know, we were an alpha launch. So, Mm -hmm. so we were just like working for people. They didn't even know what we were doing as long as it worked, they were happy with it. And, uh, and we saw her post something on Facebook, like, you know, um, do you guys think I should be using AI? Like how, how is it best used? And we were like Mm. cracking up because like we're, you're using, you're literally using AI every day through scout and you have no idea. Okay. So, so straight from NAR here. There's a few, we'll go a few tidbits. I know we're digressing here from for the future, but I think this is important. The largest expense category for most realtors was vehicle expenses, which was $1,460. Okay. That blows my mind that that's your average, most common expense. And also only $1,400 a year. Either that's just gas or because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it costs more to drive than $1,400 a year. Yeah. That's barely a hundred bucks a month or just over a hundred bucks a month. So I don't know what kind of car you, uh, you have a hundred dollar payment on, but all right. 
So that I, I don't know. I feel like that one's not real, but um, and then we have ninety six percent use a smartphone. That's cool. Concerning that there's four percent that don't, but whatever. Sixty eight percent of realtors reported having a website for business use. What? Yeah, it makes sense. So, so I, I mean, don't hate me because I, I just don't think that they're using Canva. They, 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 they don't even have a website. But Two out of on, three have a website. On Facebook and they're on Instagram, right? Yeah, Every they, they, they don't give percentages of that, but typically they are. And, and then you know, so and then um, the the typical realtor was a fifty six year old white female. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't know what that says. I'm not going to make judgments on uh, that demographic information. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> but the point is, two out of three don't even have a website. I, I don't know, man. It, this is one of those things. That's, I, it, I think there's going to be barriers to reaching all of them. But do you even need to? Because the best ones which is a smaller segment are going to, they're going to realize the advantage and they're just going to keep doing more deals every year. Yeah. I mean, we work with the the top 60% call it. We know, you know, the, the bottom, the two out of three that have a website, the two out of three that have a website, you know, the bottom third of of residential real estate (laughs) agents, the ones who who don't have a website. Um, And, and whether or not a residential real estate agent needs a website, uh, you know, I'm not going to opine on that value today because I have, uh, you know, different opinions. Fair enough. um, but they're they're probably going to be you know the three hundred thousand or six hundred thousand agents that are not licensed in uh, in three to five years. Yeah, that's fair. Right. There's so a phenomenal a um, interview with um, is it Mark King? Is Mark King's president of Keller Williams? Is that his name? I don't know why I'm spacing on his name, but with Clayton Collins at Housing uh, Wire. On the Housing News podcast, shout out Clayton and HW Media. But um, he talked about that a little bit um, of the estimations and, and what things are looking like. And um, it's looking rough, except for KW uh, leading the charge in just about everything last year. So, all right. Yeah, Mark, Mark's president over there. There it is. Number three here on For the Future What's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? AI. All right. <laughs> we'll leave um, it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> there it is. Last one here on For the Future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Um, wow. Here's here's the bold prediction. Um, I'm I, ready. I think, I think that you know maybe one-third of real estate agents will be left in, call it, five to five to seven years. So one third of agents today will remain as agents. Um, I think of of the total. So we've traditionally seen what fluctuations of like one point three to two point three million real estate agents. Yeah, it's pretty pretty high right now. Yeah, pretty high. So you know, just during like a cyclical market, you're gonna you're gonna lose like a third of the industry, and then they'll come back during boom times again. But I think in the next boom time. Um, they're not going to come back in the same way. I think that the whole entire industry is moving towards a, you know, a team dynamic, a process driven dynamic. I think, you know, a lot of these prop tech companies that have been at it for a bit are going to create such, you know, such efficiencies around it. And, um, and also, you know, the, the information is so much less gated. You know, you, you have to remember like in the, in the 70s, you used to have to go into an office and look at the book at the book. Yeah. The book was a thing. Um, but now there's there's much less information asymmetry. Um, if you are feeling brave, you can ask uh, you know ChatGPT how to handle a residential real estate transaction. You you know you may get gibberish, but you know you can feel brave and do it. And um, and I think that you know consumer expectations as a whole. You know Nate, how how long are you going to wait for somebody to respond to you in today's day and age? Oh, it really depends on what what it is, how much it's worth it, and then if I really am, if I'm feeling emotional about something or not. Yeah. And then, if we're talking if we're talking real estate, we're talking housing, we're talking something where the the true anxiety of missing out on something mm-hmm. is so it's so unfair. I I think it's it's so unfair for anyone to to genuinely handle that. And, and and there's so many elements 
about the the transaction that caused that for consumers. Um, the, like fear, uh, I'm going to miss this house. I'm not going to get this yeah. house. Like, yeah. This so is my one long, shot. So how so long I'm not waiting. wait as a consumer? Less not than five long, minutes. Right? No. Less than five minutes. But uh, a real estate agent is a human being. Exactly. And, and whether or not you like it, they are a busy human being that really is not very process driven. And, you know, at some point, People are going to figure that out, and, uh, and there's going to be something that can give you an on-demand, you know, answer yes, no, and I think there's going to be, you know, we've we've been talking about the disintermediation of real estate agents for a long, long time, but I think the uh, the technology has never been to a place where it is today um, mm-hmm. that can make that so, and and I think over the next three to five years, you know, five to seven, you're really going to start to see it, and. Um, you know, that, that need to feel like you have somebody in your corner walking you through to the transaction, to some extent, I, I think a bit of the market's going to become a lot more commoditized. Um, mm. And only a certain segment of, of buyer and seller will will really yearn for that, you know, advisory experience. Got it. All right, Drew, last three, we're going to move on here. So listeners get to know you just a bit better. First one, what are you reading? Oh, man. What am I not reading right now? I think I just, um, I'm usually reading like three books on branding and sales at a time. And uh, I'm going to have to go to, to Kaggle over here to tell you. Or Hoopla. Hoopla is my, uh, my jam. Is that an app? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, this one is brought to me by the San Francisco Public Library. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, so Donald Miller, uh, building a story brand, just finished story that brand. one. That's behind me on the shelf. That was really good. Uh, Dan Ariely, predictably irrational. That one is, uh, is also really good. And then I'm just starting David Goggins never finished. Oh yeah. Did you, did you read his first can't hurt me? No, I didn't. Good. Um, can't hurt me is, uh, it is, uh, well, the, the the intro to the book may be triggering for some. It it is uh, it is extraordinarily intense and detailed. So, depending on your your family trauma history, and not saying that I have any, not saying that I don't, but um, it uh, is intense, very intense. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, good what, stuff. What about you? Let's turn the tables. What are what, are what you- am I reading? Uh, I've actually been um, really chewing on weekly. Uh, Andrew Chen's The Cold Start Problem on network effects. Um, And then um, I have a pile that you cannot see uh, sitting next to me. There's two that I'm considering starting next. I just don't know which one. One is called Running With Purpose. Uh, It's about the the Brooks running founder. Uh, And the other one is Founder Brand uh, from the, what's it? I forget that app. Uh... It was one of those chat apps that was like really ubiquitous and David Gearhart is the CMO and I'm not a fan of him at all. Um, and so I'm going to read his book to see why I'm not a fan of him. <laughs> I like that. Gotta see it was recommended to me to someone by someone else. I was like, I'm, I'm, I would never pay for any of his stuff. And then I went and bought his book. So I don't even know why I'm not a fan. I just, I, I, just, I don't think I just, I don't get card? his style. Nah, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I like to support author. I support authors. <laughs> fun, fun the publishing fine. business yeah alright here number two who are you learning from learning from you today Try honestly try to learn from every single person that I come across um, I think everybody's got something to say and everything's got you know everyone's got a, a story to tell and um, whether it's a, whether it's a small problem that they have or you know a large solution um, I guess that's that's kind of my thesis you learned uh, we got to get that image changed on the website. <laughs> All right, last one here. What inspires you, Drew? Um, what inspires me? Solving hard problems, connecting with people, right? And it's, that's what I think that this uh, this world is really all about. It's about those connections that you have either on a daily basis or, you know, the the strong connections you keep, the weak connections that you keep, how we mm. uh, how we impact each other every single day. Um, so that's, uh, that's what keeps me going. Very cool. Drew, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Uh, appearance number two. 
I think that this time uh, we have just had a lot of fun. And that was what we talked about before the show. Hey, let's just have a lot of fun with this one. Hopefully everyone else enjoyed this uh, bantered-filled episode, but also learned a thing or two about Scout, what you guys are creating. For those who want to get connected to you or learn more about Scout, where they go and how they do that. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I am probably blasting you with ads all over Facebook. Uh, D at TrustScout.com. Feel free to, uh, to drop me an email. There it is. All right, man. We will uh, we'll see you around probably Blueprint. Yeah, I hope so. I'll see All right. There. Well, I'm planning on Blueprint, so that, that'll that be my one one uh, big show this year. So just we'll see watch, you then. Just watch out for me. I'm coming in for a big hug. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll catch you. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.